shot. Stories of big cats prowling the Australian countryside are generations old. You hear them at the pub, around the campfire, over cups of tea and in the news. Is there a UFC, an unidentified feral cat, maybe a leopard or jaguar, roaming the Blue Mountains National Park? The National Park and Wildlife Division has been monitoring records of sightings. Amazing footage of cows covered in large scratch marks. Pumas, or American mountain lions, said to be roaming the Gippsland bush. Hundreds, if not thousands of Australians believe they've seen a big cat. Sometimes they think it's a mountain lion or a tiger, but mostly they swear it's a puma or a panther, and usually a black one. I'm Rachel Carbonell, and when I was growing up in the small central Victorian town of Lancefield, we had our own brush with a big cat. Lancefield's an hour's drive from Melbourne. It has a population of about 2,500 people, and it's fringed by the Cobor State Forest. It has a wide nature strip down the middle of the main street, which is home to the monthly farmer's market and a huge cat. Meg Hannes runs the market. The monument is a, a, a quite a large um, metal sculpture of a panther. It, um, it, when it arrived, it was black. When the local footy team, the Lancefield Tigers, made the finals, the panther gained a yellow stripe for a little while and recently it was painted pink. The sculpture is possibly as mysterious as the riddle of the panther itself. It's made of steel, it's almost three metres long, and it arrived under cover of darkness. Is it allowed to stay? Does it have official permanent residency or is it just like a cat that turns up in your backyard and kind of never goes? I'm unsure about the official status of it, but I think if, if people tried to take that piece of art away, there would be a huge uproar now. This local vegetable seller sets up his stall opposite the sculpture every market day. It's a challenge for the small kids to try and climb up on its head and then sit on its back. Um, and it starts conversations with the grown-ups. You know, someone will say, oh, this is the Lancefield Panther, and then they start telling the stories about their cousin's next-door neighbour that saw it and that sort of thing. He's right. If you hang around this spot, it doesn't take long to get people talking panthers. It has taken a lot of sheep, but doesn't eat them. Just kills them. They're a big cat believers. One morning I heard rattle, 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 and I looked over the fence that we had there, and he was a bloody black panther. There are panther agnostics. I haven't seen it myself. Do you believe the stories? Um, oh, why not? You always like to believe those sort of stories, don't you? Anything's possible. <laughs> and then there are the sceptics. I believe that to know much about the panther, you've got to be well inebriated. Sydney Green is a long-time Lancefield local. A lot of people believe that it's, you know, fair dinkum, but I, I don't. And what do you think when you hear those stories? Bulldust. There are records of big cat sightings in this area dating back more than 100 years. But in 1988, there was a new twist in the big cat tale. I was about 14, and I spent a lot of my time riding my horse in the bush up the back of our property. And so when a local farmer said he'd seen a huge black cat and that it had taken a run at him, like everyone else, I was fascinated. This particular sighting attracted a lot of media attention. This is some of Channel 9's reporting. 
A neighbouring farmer reported an incredible sight in his car headlights. A large cat carrying a fully grown sheep. Only a few hundred metres down the road and another strong sighting. Probably about 10 metres away we saw this big black. I would say it would have been the panther, couldn't have been anything else. Wouldn't have been a wallaby. Definitely it was not. pretty low and it was very big. The next morning a hunting party with tracker dogs set out from the farm. It was a curious mixture this hunting party. On the one hand those intent on shooting the big cat and on the other those wanting to take it alive. We, we firmly believe that if possible it should be tranquilised and, and caged so that it can be examined carefully. Oh, bugger capture, shoot it. Simon Townsend is from a group called Big Cats Victoria. We'll hear a bit more from him later, but he travelled to Lansfield to see what was going on when all of this happened back in 1988. I witnessed one of the most bizarre incidents of human behaviour in my entire life. This group of people, and I'm not joking, we might be talking 100 youths, two or three hundred men minimum, and almost the same number of motley hounds. It, it was chaos. I've never seen anything like it in, in the Australian context. And just for the record, there was not a single woman present uh, at the event. And were there firearms in hand as well? Yes. When I think about the way it, the whole day panned out, I began to understand a little bit more about mass excitement, how crowds can operate, how things can get out of hand in a moment. Locals say this mob mentality continued for some time, with carloads of people travelling to Lancefield on the weekend to hunt for the panther. After my stroll through the market, I decide to take a slightly more focused approach to finding people who might be able to tell me more about the panther. Good afternoon, Lansfield Country Practice. This is Jesse. I start with local GP Paul Carter. I moved to a property in this area 31 years ago. I don't think I've seen him since he fixed my broken arm when I was a kid. I remember you falling off your horse as a little girl. It's still a little bit crooked. I wanted to bring that up with you. You had to, you had to bend it back into shape, which was not one of my favourite childhood memories. I think you should take this up with Slater and Gordon. <laughs> so, in 1988, there was what I guess could only be called a bit of a brouhaha about a panther sighting in Lansfield. Do you remember that? I remember it very clearly. In those days, we had a bush nursing hospital in Lansfield and we had a local character who came in in an extremely agitated state saying that he had uh, sighted the panther. He was pretty inebriated. I've never actually attended anybody medically who's sighted the panther since then, but there were certainly lots of people who will tell you that they have. So are you a believer or a non-believer? I am a non-believer in most things and in this one particularly. And of course we do actually have our own resident panther now in the nature strip. We do, but unfortunately just recently somebody snuck out at night and painted it pink. It was a lovely glossy black before that. You don't approve of the change? I love the film, but I don't think it looks good in the middle of our high street. That cat is also a bit of a mystery. Do you know where it came from? I do. Are you going to tell me? No, I'm not. Next door is the local art gallery and cafe. It's run by John and Gemma Nightingale. John had his own experience with a mysterious black creature. We were driving through the top of the Cobal Forest in a 
four-wheel drive, thick ferns either side, about two metres high, and all of a sudden there was a flash, a black flash across the road like it was an animal, and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And people have said, oh, it was a wallaby or a kangaroo, and it wasn't. So my theory is it had to be the panther. In my own mind, I'd say there was a 99.9% probability that panthers have been here. Down the road next to the primary school, I find the coordinator of the neighbourhood house. Back when the panther was spotted, Vivian Philpotts was working at the local pub, where one of the most popular stories was how the farmer who saw the cat shot a hole in his side mirror while taking aim at the animal. We had a shelf above the bar that had rear vision mirror with the bullet hole through it and the um, cans of kitty cat and the VB stubbies that were called panther piss and the binoculars made out of stubbies and so it was quite a lot of paraphernalia that was around the sighting of the panther at the time. I start to wonder how much the police were involved in this whole feline frenzy. I've been here for 23 years now. The officer in charge of the Lancefield Police Station, Roger Barr, says there was still a lot of panther talk going on when he arrived. I had a lady come in to me one day. She said to me that she was a retired school teacher. I think she'd been a principal at a, at a school. She'd seen what she believed to be a panther across the road. She said it was broad daylight, uh, middle of the day. And she said, you know, I'm not a nutcase, I'm not someone who's just making this up. I swear to you, I saw a large panther. And is that the only time anybody's officially come to you as the local policeman and reported a panther sighting to you? Yes. How would you say that the legend of the panther, true or otherwise, has affected the town? Does it kind of live on now as part of the town's story, do you think? It certainly does with the panther in the main street now, the metal sculpture that's there that turned up in the middle of the night uh, quite suspiciously with no one really knowing who put it there and it's certainly from my own perspective I'm a member of the local tennis club and one of our teams is called the Lancefield Panthers in honour of the panthers so yeah it certainly continues on in the community and it's, it's really quite quite good. My last stop is to see someone who has spent a lot of her life in the bush around here. Misha Reynolds is one of my childhood horse riding mates. She's now the local equine vet. As always, she reminds me of the time my pony Nibbles took a fairly vicious dislike to her. You feel that? For the benefits of the interview, <laughs> that is where your pony Nibbles bit me. Luckily, Misha still talks to me and she's happy to tell me what sorts of strange animals she saw when she was growing up around here. Mostly the weird things you're alerted to by the horses starting to snort and not wanting to go forward were echidnas and the odd piglet and possibly a more mature pig. And the occasional wallaby or kangaroo oh, just yes, jumping yes, out in front yeah, of you. Yeah, well, that's just all the time and given, isn't it? I mean, we never saw a panther. We have never seen anything like that, no. Plenty of feral cats, but nothing as large as a panther. Did you ever feel worried riding around the bush as a kid? No, we were invincible, remember? <laughs> in terms of the time that we spent in the bush as kids, really the most vicious thing you had to worry about was my pony nibbles. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> At this point, I have to confess that I'm a skeptic. 
Despite being the sort of kid who was scared of the dark and loved to imagine things that were out to get me, for some reason, I just never believed the panther stories. But I'm still keen to know, is this story and all of the other big cat stories just like it, all in our heads, or is there something more to them? Simon Townsend has spent much of the last 40 years searching for evidence of big cats. I went to visit him in Western Victoria. Oh, hi. Thank you. Now, there had been a tradition in the Lansfield region of these animals being seen occasionally and stock losses that could not be explained. Reports continue to come in from Lansfield. And roughly how recently would your last one have been? Oh, within 12 months. Simon Townsend and his group Big Cats Victoria record and investigate sightings. He says the reports that make it into the media represent a fraction of the actual number of sightings. It looked like a puma, a, a black a black puma or panther, and, and a big one at that. And I swear as I'm sitting on a stack of Bibles, I'm watching this big puma walk right across the road in front of me. I was walking down the back of my property and I saw this black streak just take off around the hill. And I picked one up in the spotlight, it was about 60 yards. It was nearly as high as a strainer post, which was about three foot six high. I'd say more than 50% are genuine. And when people have perhaps misidentified, what's the most common explanation? Quite often when somebody's misidentified, yes, they have seen a black feral cat, or they've seen a swamp wallaby or black wallaby as we call it, or it's been a, a wish sighting. So if there are big cats out there in the Australian bush, where would they have come from? Highly likely we're looking at a colonial introduction, whether it was intentional or accidental. It's been documented the sheer numbers of animals that were imported um, through the heyday of importation in the 19th century, and lots and lots of black panthers, black leopards. And if there was one thing in this world that could do well in Australia, it is the leopard, and black leopards especially, because they have the capacity to stay so well hidden. There is a chance that they're there, a good chance. Have you ever seen a big cat in the Australian wild? Yes, I have. Can you tell me your experience? I uh, had the very good fortune to uh, be investigating a report at the back of Warburton and um, got up to a small plateau. There, edging away from me, was uh, a black panther. At that stage of my life, I'd shot a lot of feral cats. I, I knew what I, I would be looking at if it was a feral cat. And I don't think I've ever seen anything with such a malevolent stare in my life. To keep my validity, I have to put that behind me. My aim, my total focus, is in obtaining a specimen. Now, a specimen doesn't necessarily have to be a fresh bleeding carcass on the slab. Quite frankly, that would be ideal. But I, DNA specimens would be fantastic. Getting them is really difficult. I imagine that you've been asked this question hundreds of times, but if there were big cats in the Australian bush, surely by now we would have some more conclusive visual evidence of them other than people's oral accounts of having seen them or unexplained stock kills. Speaking as a person who has $8,000 worth of trail cameras, 
it ain't that easy. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. There's a little bit of competition between people and groups who are dedicated to searching for big cats. There's a lot of people out there who really, Johnny come lately, who think that they can just well sign in, get everybody else's information and sort the problem out. Well, they're not going to sort the problem out unless they get their boots muddy and their hands bloody because, as I say, we need real evidence, something that will stand up in court and that's where it's going to wind up. It is a really serious business, but it's not being approached that way. If anybody does have the good fortune to either find or kill one of these animals, please come forward, bring it forward. You're doing the state, the country, a lot of good. We need to know what's happening. My real fear at the moment is that somewhere, sometime, you know, a happy-go-lucky family with a little three-year-old running ahead of them, you know, down a track somewhere when they're having a picnic, is going to run past the uh, a sleeping predator and it's, it's going to wake up and it's going to do exactly what it's been uh, evolved to do for millions of years. It will simply go bang, strike. That's on the cards. Now, I, I, I'd stake my, my good name on that. It's on the cards. Another lot that's committed to this hunt is the Victorian Big Cats Research Group. Kevin Braunton recently set up camera traps in the Lansfield area after reports of horses being attacked. Yeah, they were sort of like a downward type sort of, as you expect from something holding on and trying to pull something down, like an animal down. But in the end we thought, look, it could possibly be big cat related. Um, the area is a big cat hotspot. So we initially set up a camera there and I think we left it out for about two or three weeks at the time. The cameras picked up pictures of deer and kangaroos. No big cats. Like everyone who shares this passion, Kevin Braunton says he's seen a large black feline in the bush, and he has a number of theories about where it might have come from. The amount of shipwrecks that occurred along the coast, you know, skirting along the Otways, yeah, you know, hundreds of them in the early days, they came from all different areas, all different countries. There's a reported case, I believe, in Torquay, shipwreck. Uh, it was documented that it had a zebra, was a zebra, I believe, on board, and monkeys. And they made it to shore, but they will captured, so they say. But zebra, monkeys, leopards, who knows? And then there's also the theory um, of uh, megafauna, Phylocaleo, uh, which was in a marsupial cat, uh, which was roaming Australia. But you've got to keep an open mind. Funnily enough, Lansfield is a significant megafauna site. The theory that's come up most frequently, though, is that big cat cubs were brought here as mascots by US servicemen and that they were released when the men went home. I reckon about 20 people have told me a version of this theory. David Waldron is an expert in big cat stories. He's a history lecturer at Federation University in Ballarat and he's written a book on the subject, co-authored with Simon Townsend. The research for that book is now part of the Australian Animal Folklore Collection at the Geoffrey Blaney Research Centre at the University. In this box we've got government records. Here's a heap of newspaper articles on the stories of mascots. There's quite a bit of material on military personnel and exotic animals. I think it's been quite misrepresented. The story is always about US servicemen 
what you find in Australian government records, what you find in the papers, is their concerns actually Australian servicemen. And they're coming back from North Africa, they're coming back from Asia with all kinds of crazy animals. As I said in my book, one troop ship that came in, they found 1,650 exotic animals on board, including bear cubs. So the Americans didn't actually have that many. Yeah, right. But exotic but pets like this sailor here, uh, Cyril Flintoff with his uh, tiger cub, etc., is quite common. And look, there he is, formerly a leading seaman on the HMAS Australia and now at the Naval Depot Melbourne. And he is indeed holding... What is that? It's a... Uh, that's actually a leopard, uh, tiger cub, sorry. Yeah, it looks like a leopard, but it's a tiger cub. because yeah, they look a bit spotty when they're young. And there's heaps and heaps of these um, articles here, US service in there with the lion cub... David Waldron says he found plenty of evidence of historic exotic animal trade in Australia, as well as a number of circus escapes. Probably the most famous one, because it's a really lovely picture of it, in 1922, Perry Brothers Circus lost a puma in the vicinity of Kitan, and they didn't tell anyone as the way is with circuses back then, and then people found out a little later, and then they had this huge big hunting party out, and then they shot this poor animal and had it up mounted with everyone posing around it with rifles in the paper. And that's probably in the sort of area you're investigating too, isn't it? It is. Kyneton is just down the road from Lansfield. It's where I went to high school. But I was actually unaware of that particular story. There's a gorgeous picture that goes with it. But all this archival information, it's still not enough to validate the theory that big cats escaped in numbers that survived and formed breeding populations here in Australia. I don't have a problem with the idea, but I think there's insufficient evidence at this stage. And I think at this stage, most of the time when I look at these things, there's mistaken identity. And a lot of the time, what I think's going on is that it's a gestalt. That is, you've got entrenched folklore, you've got an entrenched perception of those stories in the back of your mind. You have missing stock that doesn't fit the normal parameter of a sheepdog rung amok. And then you've got this folklore, you see that, you're out looking at night, you see a feral cat at the distance, you hear weird screams when you're in a tiz, and it tends to collectively put that together. It's the uncanny, that things that make you uncomfortable, you need to rationalise and control it, and that's where you get that aggressive scepticism over something that, if you actually think about it, it's not particularly absurd, like adding another introduced species to the pile. The other thing is, of course, it re-enchants the landscape, and this is where I find people who love it, is it... You know, like stories of, you know, fairy rings and things in Britain. It re-enchants the landscape, you give it an aura of plausibility, and you go out there and the landscape's wild, it's untamed, it's unpredictable, it's magic. Things happen that not other people see, you have special moments. It deeply emotionally connects you to that landscape. There have been official investigations into big cats, including one commissioned by the Victorian government in 2012. Peter Menkost is the author of that report, and he's a principal research scientist at the Arthur Ryler Institute for Environmental Research. In the course of our mammal survey work, we've set thousands of camera traps, and in the course of that, we've taken hundreds of thousands of photographs of known mammals. But there's been no photo of any cat that we can't identify. In your report... It did mention some evidence that potentially couldn't be explained, and it's one that the believers go back to again and again. Can you tell me what that evidence is? Well, there's really only one in Victoria, and that's a scat that was collected. DNA was extracted from that scat and was found to likely be a a big cat, a leopard. But it's not terribly convincing evidence, and it's a one-off, and really I can't explain it. Why did this report get commissioned in the first place? 
It was a big issue in parts of Victoria. Farmers were complaining about stock losses that were probably mostly attributable to wild dogs or dingoes. The report was done in spite of suggestions by some big cat enthusiasts that the government wasn't taking the issue seriously. I mean, the, the presence of a population of big cats would have quite significant bearing on farming, on livestock, and also on conservation in that they're going to be eating native wildlife and possibly even on, uh, on human safety. So I think the government would be very concerned if, and would need to know if that was the case. And from my personal point of view, I've spent 40 years surveying the mammal fauna of Victoria, and if I've missed something as big and important as a leopard or a puma, then I want to know about it. Well, I put my own scepticism aside for this project, but I can't solve the puzzle of big cat sightings in Victoria or Lansfield any more than those who have looked into it before me. I did solve the mystery behind at least one panther story, though. I tracked down the Lansfield panther sculpture artist and he agreed to talk to me on a strictly anonymous basis. I had bought a house in Lansfield, didn't know Lansfield from a bar of soap. When I arrived here, the town was agog with Lansfield panther. And I thought, this is the best place in the world to come and live. So that started that whole magic for me, and I love a mystery. What was it that tickled you about that story? You know, there are people all over the world that claim to see things that don't exist. The Americans are wonderful. Uh, the Scots have got the Loch Ness Monster. You know, there's, there's things all over the place that... Um, I'm a complete and utter sceptic. I don't believe any of it, but uh, I just find it all very amusing. The, the panther is just a lovely piece of information. And, and I have met people that swear blind they have seen it. And um, I just find it all very amusing. I'm not going to name you, but you are, in fact, the artist behind the now quite famous Lancefield Panther, the sculpture in the nature strip in town. Now, what inspired you to do that? I, I don't know, because I could. Um, it, it, it appealed to me. The, the, the nonsense of the, the, the legend. Does the panther really exist? Did anybody ever see one? And, and by doing it in the middle of the night, sort of kept that legend trundling along. The following morning, which happened to be Farmer's Market, there it was, already on its prefabricated concrete plinth. And everyone is just a dog. Where is it? Who did it? Where did it come from? How did it get here? And of course, I don't know. You must know something about it. Nobody knows anything about it. It was gorgeous. It was wonderful. It was an expensive exercise, but for the pleasure that it's given me, and, and I believe the pleasure that it, it gives to the town, it's a huge reward. The sculpture arrived not long after the Lancefield bushfires, prompting some to speculate that it was the blaze that had driven the panther out into the open which has only added to the mythology attached to the panther. So it's really very, very important to me that uh, we keep that mystery alive and, and keep it going. And I'm not sure where, where I can take it from here, unless, of course, the Lancefield sculptured panther has a litter of cubs. The sound engineer for this program was Tim Simons. The executive producer, Michelle Rayner. If you'd like to see some pictures of the Lancefield Panther, have a look for this story on the eShot webpage. I'm Rachel Carbonell. <laughs>